Welcome to another episode of The Breakdown. On June 13th, the northeast end of the city of Calgary was hit by a hailstorm that was the fourth largest natural disaster in Canadian history. Damages are estimated at around $1.2 billion, and that figure only represents the current costs. It's hard to wrap your head around the scale of the disaster, but it literally impacted pretty much the entire northeast end of the city of Calgary. It's also important to realize that because of the size of the area affected, as well as the severity of the damage, the long-term impact and cost of the disaster is almost impossible to assess. This disaster was made worse by the fact that many of the residents in the area had been hard hit by the economic downturn, as well as the impact of COVID-19. The double punch of the downturn in COVID-19 means that for many residents, the cost of the deductible to begin repairs is simply out of their reach right now. To say nothing of the fact that for many homeowners, the cost of depreciation on their homes has left them with the lion's share of the cost of repairs, particularly for their roofs. Northeast Calgary is an incredibly diverse area of the city, with many new Canadians making their homes there. Many of these new Canadians face not only language barriers, but also systemic barriers when it comes not to not only purchasing home insurance, but also in regards to beginning to initiate a claims process. Out of all of the chaos of the disaster, a group of community members started to organize, not only to support their neighbors, but also to try and petition the government for additional supports, as they found that many residents of Northeast Calgary were, and still are, facing insurmountable challenges in getting their homes repaired. To try and better understand who this group is and what they want, we sat down with one of the organizers, Khalil Karbani. Here's that conversation. Welcome to another one of our interview segments here on The Breakdown. And today we're actually up in northeast Calgary in the community of Terradale. Uh, we're here today because we're meeting with one of the organizers who's trying to continue to raise the profile of an issue that's been going on in northeast Calgary since June 13th. Many of you remember June 13th was the day that a rather disastrous hailstorm showed up. Uh, and pummeled large areas of northeast calgary you can see some of the damage uh behind us in just a second here um, so we're meeting today with khalil karbani who is a community organizer who is working to try to get the government to recognize that the supports that they've offered so far are insufficient so khalil thank you so much for joining us today thank you nate thanks for having me so to start with um you live in one of the areas affected Correct. Um, what sort of damage, if any, did you experience from the storm? Well, the night of the hailstorm, basically, I had two windows that caved in, meaning that it started cracking the first pane. Thereafter, it broke the first pane, then came through the second pane, glass everywhere, and then we had hail inside the house everywhere. Uh, after we had the insurance assessors come through the house, they went and checked my roof, and my whole roof is shot now. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So you need a complete replacement of your Correct. roof as well as those windows and I assume a good chunk of the wall. Correct. Okay. Um, how does that damage measure up against uh, the rest of the damage in the community? Was your house like an isolated incident? Were there many other houses in the area that experienced the same kind of damage? I mean, obviously the house behind you is mm. pretty, pretty shot up. So I think uh, to answer your question fairly, 
there was different damages done to different houses, but every single house in from Terradale North right up to Skyview, which is roughly about 30,000 homes got damaged, every single one. And I would say most people had about $10,000 worth of damage done, right up to about forty-five dollars to $50,000, right up to that scale. Okay. One of the big conversation pieces that came out immediately after the hailstorm had to do with the what some people perceived as a slow response from the government to offer supports. Um, the government ultimately did announce that they were going to be offering some support. So let's start with, can you tell us what kind of support the government offered for this hailstorm? Well, one of the reasons that we formed up this group was that in the first week we didn't hear anything from any levels of government and we thought we actually need to set something up to see if we can get some help for the residents of this area. Uh, we were approached our local MLAs and see if they could help something. And then we heard about the announcement that the Premier did, uh, Premier did which was called the DRP Disaster Relief Programme. Although we were really excited at the beginning, we actually found out by that evening that it actually really didn't mean anything. Um, it was a relief for people who suffered overland flooding which up to the present date, there's 84 cases of this. So, so you said earlier that there were roughly 30 to 40,000 houses that were affected by the hailstorm, mm -hmm. and there's 80 houses that are going to be able to be supported by the disaster release program. To, to date, that's correct. And out of that 30 or thousand uh, homes, the total claims is 70,000, because approximately half were homes and half were cars. Okay. So that's where we are right now. So that program that they announced really isn't helping anyone, anyone who had hell damage to their homes. Okay. One of the, the big talking points that the, the government has rolled out is the idea that, well, if you have home insurance, it mm -hmm. should be covered. What's your response to that? It's not covered. It simply is not covered. Because since 2016, I'll give you my own personal example, we had a $1,000 deductible and the rest of it was paid by the insurance company. This time around, no change in insurance brokerage or nothing. This time around, we have a $2,500 deductible. Not only that, they want to depreciate my roof at 80%, meaning I cover 80% of the cost and they're willing to cover 20%. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, so the idea that home insurance provides complete coverage for the type of damages that the, these 30 to 40,000 homes experienced is, is not correct. Definitely not correct. Okay. A lot of the homes in the Skyview uh, and Cityscape areas are very, very new homes. So one would expect that there isn't that much depreciation involved. Are there any barriers that you're aware of for people to be able to still access their insurance claims in those areas? Yes, so basically any house that's less than five years old, they will get replacement cost on that. Depreciation starts on the sixth year at approximately 5% per annum up to a maximum threshold of 80%. Okay. So I think that works out at about, uh, I, can't, I can't remember, say 20 years. If your house is 20 years plus, you're going to get only 20% of its value on the roof and on the siding. Okay. 
Now, all of this also obviously happened at the same time as COVID-19 was wreaking all sorts of havoc on people's employment and, and, and the economy. Have you heard any stories of anyone who are having difficulties not only being able to afford the deductible that we just talked about, but also any sort of depreciation costs in regards to getting that uh, repair work done? So one of the reasons that we got together was uh, that there is so many people who have lost jobs through the COVID-19 process. And even if they haven't lost it fully, they're not getting the full amount of their wage. A lot of people were a single person working in the household rather than two people. So what it meant was that some people had to realize that how, how can we cut back? And the way people started cutting back was instead of having a, a fully comprehensive insurance on their car, they put it down to third party. And we know so many incidences right now where people have dropped their insurance and as soon as they dropped it three weeks later, four weeks later, a month later, the hailstorm came and now they can't get a penny for their car damage because it wasn't fully comprehensive insurance. Okay. Have you heard any stories about people not being able to afford the deductibles for their home repairs? So many, so many, right? Because deductibles was a new thing. Well, not so much new thing, but it jumped from the thousand bucks up to $2,500. We've heard some people that it's gone up as high as $5,000. But a lot of people have now realized that the insurance companies have added depreciation as well. So add the deductibles, add the depreciation, you are forking out more money than what the insurance companies are giving you. Okay. One of the concerns that's been raised, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this, is the idea that um, because a large part of the areas that we're talking about are, are newer developments, uh, and a lot of them are multi-generational homes, uh, they're homes to new Canadians, um, there's, there's significantly more financial barriers, uh, especially given the fact that a lot of the, the jobs that a lot of these people access got shut down with, mm -hmm. with COVID. Um, do you have any concerns about the ability of homeowners to be able to access the, the repair services, not only from the, the, the insurance cost, but from all of the additional costs? So uh, what the b big worry here is that people were paycheck to paycheck. That's number one. Then you add the formula of COVID in there. So now their income has suddenly dropped 30, 40, 50%. Now add the hailstorm in there. They're really suffering and struggling financially. They're trying to work out where to get money to put food on the table, let alone depreciation and deductibles and things like that. And what, what our worry here is that if people don't get their homes fixed in time, it's going to lead to bigger issues, health issues, mental issues. People who are going to have homes with problems of water penetrating through, that's going to lead to black rot, uh, fungus, mildew, it's going to keep going on and on and on. And this is going to be leading to bigger problems down the road in future with respiratory issues and things like that. So I think it's really important that people or the government step up right now. And although they think there's a big price tag attached to it, in real terms, it's not. Because when you balance it out throughout the next 20 years, this is a small price to pay for it. The bigger price is still going to come 
if we don't get these things fixed straight away. Do you think there's any concerns as well about the, the long-term economic impact if, if, for example, let's use Skyview Ranch as an example, yeah. just because that's the first thing that popped into my head. Um, if there are a significant number of homes in Skyview Ranch that aren't able to be repaired uh, because of the, the damage from the hail uh, and because people don't have the financial means to afford their deductible and, and the depreciation costs if they exist, um, can you see long-term negative economic impact from those houses being potentially condemned yeah. and that having an impact on the, the property values of, of other people in the community? Well, definitely. As soon as you let one house run down to a derelict state, it's going to have a knock-on effect with your neighbors. You have a whole street that's run down, it's going to have an effect on the whole area. So yes, it's going to bring down the house prices here. People already are thinking that why move to the northeast when they've got all these hailstorms and everything else going on to them. So that's taken the house prices down. Add all these other formulas in. It's going to leave a big economic problem around here. I'm just afraid that people may not even stay in Calgary anymore, may move away, okay. right? So it's a tough one right now. And I think the government needs to really, I know I keep coming back to it and I apologize, but they really need to step up right now because one thing will lead to the next, which will lead to the next. And it's just the problem's going to keep growing and growing and growing. How, how responsive have you found? I mean, the area that is, has been impacted by this is so huge that there's multiple MLAs yes. that uh, represent those areas. How uh, responsive have you found those MLAs to be? How engaged have they been in supporting the communities through this process? So um, after this group was set up, we initially had a, a meeting with each one of their MLAs separately. And each one of them promised us that they will do something for us. They will work in the background, convince the prom uh, premier that we need to help these people. And since that time, being honest with you, I haven't heard a thing from them that's been positive. We've been trying through phone, through text, through emails to try and get hold of them, have subsequent meetings, but it's almost like they've had a gagging order put on them not to talk to us. And I think that's so sad because they need to realize that they represent the constituents and not doing it because of a job, right? Okay. One of the accusations... I'll go ahead and use that word, uh, that's been leveled towards your group is that there's some sort of a political motivation. Mm -hmm. um, is, is, is the group that's working to elevate this issue made up purely of one political party or one or two political parties? Where on the political spectrum do the people who are working to elevate this issue sort of fit? Well... Let me just put a little twist into that. Okay. The hailstorm didn't only hit one party's houses. It actually hit every home within this area. And unfortunately, people want to politicize things, which is clearly not true. Okay. We are here representing Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, Christians, black, white, liberals, NDPs, UCPs, you name it, we are here to represent each and every one of them. It's nothing to do with any political party 
or any political affiliations, none whatsoever. Okay, so it's the, the, the group that you're working with isn't backed by any no, sort of not at all. political and in organization? Fact, the group we have, we have got UCP supporters in there, we have got NDP supporters in there, but somehow it's almost brought us together to say we need to work for the bigger cause here. That's one thing that I think Albertans are known for, uh, is that when their neighbors are in need, Albertans do have a tendency of stepping up and trying to trying to help. Uh, yeah. So that's good to hear. Um, what would you, if you could wave a magic wand, um, what would you have the government do? Right. I think, uh, f first of all, I think that the people of this area need help, right? Let's not undermine that. They need help because, and the help they need right now is financial, being honest with you. And I think what we need to do, and we've asked from this from all levels of government from day one, is we need to get each three levels of government together, municipality, provincial and federal together on a table and say, how can we help these people? All right. So, you know, because right now we're getting pushed from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. We end up back in the same place. We want to say, OK, let's work together and see how we can do and get financial help from them. And I want to say one more thing on here, Nate, is that we are not asking for handouts. Mm -hmm. We actually have asked for interest-free loans over a period of five years. I okay. don't think it's a hard ask, it's really not. But what it will do is help the people to pay for deductibles, may help some people with paying the depreciation. And if you don't need help with the deductibles or depreciation, some people may use this money to upgrade the materials they use on their house. So I think getting all levels of government together on the table, bang, one, number one. Number two is let's put a plan together where we can get some financial help for them. And I think we also want to ask, the third ask is that please make sure that the insurance companies do not spike up their premiums for next year because it wasn't our fault that this came. It mm -hmm. really wasn't. And I think it would be unfair for the insurance companies to spike our premiums up just because we got hit this year okay so just to make sure that i understand the the group that you're heading isn't looking for the government to just cut a check and that's going to be a loss to the provincial coffers you're all you're asking for is is an interest-free loan to be paid over a reasonable amount of time yeah. uh, to prevent these problems from escalating into bigger problems is that a fair way to summarize exactly it? that's exactly right yeah. okay um what are your your plans going forward to to try to continue to to elevate this issue and make sure that it doesn't just get forgotten about so one of the things that we're going to be doing is actually going around to the worst hit areas, door knocking at people's doors and see how we can help them. Sometimes it's just a, a, a courteous thing to do to see how your neighbor is doing, number one. Um, to see how their experiences have been with the insurance companies. And we've actually put a survey out there. Um, it's called YYC Hellstorm um, on um, SurveyMonkey and simple 10 questions up there. We want to find out which companies have been helping people through this process and which companies have not been really helping out but maybe even been on the awkward side. So two spectrums, we've heard both and uh, we want to know people's experiences with both of them. But finally, we want to ask these people to come and help us um, do a peaceful protest outside McDougal building um, to see if we can get the voices, our voices heard 
to the Premier. We've already been to Edmonton and really didn't get too much out of that, but maybe we had to, we, we actually took 32 people with us to Edmonton, which was a great achievement. Mm -hmm. But being Calgary, I think we can certainly bring out a few hundred people. Maybe that might help convince some people that, you know, these people are real and it's hurting right now. So, this is a bit of a two-part question here. If somebody wants to help support uh, the efforts that your group is doing, um, and they don't necessarily live in the Northeast, would they still be welcome to attend uh, the event that you've got going on on Tuesday, as well as any other events that, that come up in the future, perhaps? Yeah, so we already have some community associations within our group that don't live in this area. But they've put their name down with us. Why? Because they actually just want to support us. And we would love anyone who's living in this area as well as not living in this area to come and support us. I think the bigger the number, the more voice we're going to have for that day. Okay. Um, is there anything else that concerned Calgarians, concerned Albertans can do to, to help support and show support for this idea of interest-free loans to, to get the, the citizens of Northeast Calgary through this extremely difficult period? I definitely think that if they write to their own MLAs and these MLAs forward their letters to the Premier I, uh, and Minister Naidu, I think that we can really move this forward quite quickly. And again, time is of the essence right now, so I think the quicker people can help, the better it's going to be. How, just, and I, I, I don't know if you have any sort of engineering or construction background, but even just driving in here to do this interview, I could not see a single house mm -hmm. that wasn't affected. Yeah. Have you heard any kind of a timeline for how long it's going to take all of the repairs to, to be made? Because the immediate concern that I see is, I mean, even looking at this house behind us here, mm -hmm. uh, the immediate concern that I see is, is once winter comes and yeah. moisture starts to get into these things, the, the damage is only going to grow exponentially. And, and with that, as you alluded to earlier, that the associated health problems. So what kind of a, have, have you heard of any timeline to get all these yeah. repairs done? So again, we are, are struggling ourselves because mm -hmm. my house is in this area. Um, insurance companies haven't been upfront to tell us, okay, this is how much it's going to cost you. This is the time frame for the work to be done. A lot of people are uncertain as to when the work will get done. So I think that's also an issue here. And I also think that uh, people all over Canada, all over Alberta certainly, need to go and read their insurance policies because we got blindsided by this. And I think people will, it'll open their eyes to make sure that they've got the right coverage, uh, making sure that you should obviously try and get a replacement cost rather than a dep depreciated cost. We didn't even know about it. We mm. just got whacked, say, wow. depreciation. Um, and honestly, I actually spoke to my insurance company today to say, um, Insurance Bureau of Canada is saying that the majority of policies are based on replacement costs. You are telling me that the majority of insurance policies are on depreciation costs. What is the truth behind this? And they actually said that most of their insurance brokers are uh, on depreciation. So I said, what if I pay extra? Can I get replacement value? And they said, no. Wow. Yeah. And that's only in Alberta, nowhere else in Canada. Wow. The last question that I want to ask before I, before I let you go uh, is one of the, the UCP's chief campaign promises was, was the idea of 
we're going to get people back to work. Yeah. Um, do you think there's an argument to be made that if they were able to facilitate these no interest loans that you're asking for, that that would not, uh, or that that would rather create uh, a significant demand for workers to to do do the work? Wouldn't that, yeah. Do you think there's an argument to be made that that would be a uh, a worthwhile investment into the, the economy at almost no cost to the government? Correct, yeah. So I think definitely that, first of all, I, I understand that there's quite a few fly-by-night contractors. We want to get good contractors in. But even having the good contractors, if you don't have the money to pay for that work, it's not helping the contractors and it's not helping this area. So you're absolutely right that we need to kick in that economy. If I've got comfort knowing that I've got my house being repaired and I've got $5,000 extra to get that work done quickly. I'm gonna get it done quick, right? So yes, it will definitely help kick in the economy. Um, there's other ways that, see, when, when, a how, when the areas are constantly being derelict, 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 it, that's not gonna help the economy, it's gonna make it worse. Mm. We need to get our houses looking prime again. That's our castle, right? So. I, I don't know if I've quite answered your question, but... I think so. I think so. <laughs> um, well, I want, to, I want to thank you again for being willing to take the time to chat with us today. My pleasure. Uh, and on a, on, a, on a personal basis, I want to thank you for the volunteer hours that you and your organization are putting in uh, to try to, to elevate this issue. Um, and I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, Nate. Thank you. Now, you might find yourself asking what's so unreasonable about a diverse group of neighbors asking not for a handout, but for interest-free loans so that they can begin the process of recovery. Remember, as Khalil said, their group is an ethnically diverse group made up of people who sit all across the political spectrum, including people who support the NDP and the UCP. It's hard to imagine anyone attacking a group of community members pulling together despite their differences and trying to make things better for the communities they live in and accusing them of playing political games. But amazingly, in an interview with Red FM, that's exactly what UCP MLA Rajan Sani did. I'm very saddened and disheartened to know that the NDP is politicizing this and going out of their way to make the residents of Northeast Calgary feel less valued. Psychologically using false information, because MLA Saber knows exactly how the DRP works, psychologically using false information to make the residents feel that the government doesn't care about them. We care about the residents deeply. I and my colleagues care about all of our residents. And sowing the seeds of division, creating a situation of us versus them, Northeast Calgary versus the rest of the province, it is a divide and conquer mentality, and it's very unfortunate. It has to stop, especially now when we're experiencing economic downturn and COVID-19 and natural disasters. My efforts are the opposite. I'm a community builder and I will always try to uplift our communities and do my best to make people feel valued and make them feel that their voices matter. <laughs> now it's hard to understand how anyone attempting to elevate the harsh reality of this disaster can be accused of creating a situation of us versus them, Northeast Calgary versus the rest of the province. It's even harder to understand how someone can accuse anyone of being divisive, dismiss their concerns, and then turn around and declare themselves to be a community builder. But that's exactly what Rajan did. And then amazingly enough, she doubled down. Hard. 
Shortly after that interview, Rajan posted on Facebook a post that claimed to quote her statement from the interview. Except it wasn't quite a quote. Because Rajan added in a few additional choice words. Instead of just saying, sowing the seeds of division, like she did in her interview, Rajan added that it was the opposition and their friends sowing those seeds. She then went on to claim that she's again a community builder, despite doing exactly what she just accused the community members who are working to get their neighbors the supports they need of doing. Community builders don't need to sow division. They rise above it. And it's a shame that the MLA for Calgary Northeast has such a cynical view of community that she doesn't be, appear to be able to see this grassroots, ethnically and politically diverse group for what it is, a community. And that's the episode. As always, if you appreciate what we're trying to do here at The Breakdown, please consider signing up as a monthly supporter at our Patreon site, www.patreon.com slash thebreakdownab. And if you're listening to the audio version of our podcast, please consider leaving us a review and a rating. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for your attention. <laughs>